Readings from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Thank you, Mary. Let's pray. Father God, as we come and we gather around your word now, we marvel at all that you've done. We give you praise and we give you glory for the fact that you are willing to send your only son into this world to live a life that we should have lived, to die a death that we deserve, and then to rise again. We give you all the praise, all the glory, Lord, this morning. And as we begin to consider some of the things of that day together this morning, I pray, Lord God, for those who are here and that are watching online, who would call themselves a Christian, Lord God, may hope once again rise in our hearts. And Lord, if there are any among us who are sceptical, sitting on the fence, or don't know you, Lord, today might that be a day where you speak so powerfully to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What's the most powerful statement that you have ever heard spoken, I wonder? Maybe it was the first time when someone told you that they loved you. Maybe it was that time where the midwife handed you your child for the first time and they said it's a boy or it's a girl. Maybe it was one of the famous speeches through history from someone like Martin Luther King who said, I have a dream and those words impacted you so mightily. Words have power. Power to completely and utterly change our view, to change our situation, to change our trajectory. Power to build us up and power to give us hope. And this morning, as we gather together here in this place, I want to talk about the three most powerful words that have ever been uttered in the history of humanity. He has risen. These are the most important words that you can ever possibly hear in your life. These are the words that if you allow them to, 
They can change your life like nothing else can. But why? Why the fact that a man died 2,000 years ago in a place which is hundreds and hundreds of miles from where we live today? Why does that have to have and how can that have any impact on my life? How can I even believe that this man rose from the dead? Is there any evidence which is there to actually support that? I mean, there's plenty of evidence, isn't there, that Jesus lived and then he died. Historians generally agree that there was a man named Jesus who lived on this earth and died a death on a cross. But is there really any evidence to suggest that this man died and then he lived? The answer I want to suggest to that question this morning is unequivocally yes. And this morning, I want to tell you about some of that evidence which is there for us to look at today and then answer the question, what does that mean for you and what does it mean for me today that this man not only lived and then he died, but he died and then he lived. You may have been coming to church all your life. You may have heard many, many Easter sermons. Or maybe this is the first time that you've ever been in a place like this. Maybe you're not even sure why you're here today. Maybe someone told you they were taking you out for breakfast and all of a sudden you end up in church. I believe that whatever your situation and whatever your circumstances today, that this message, looking at it afresh again together today, can help you, can change you, and can empower you in a world where there is so much uncertainty, in a world where there is so much struggle and strain and stress at the moment, perhaps coming off the back of some of the hardest years that we have ever possibly faced up to this point. Today, because of Jesus, hope can rise in your heart once again. And the first piece of evidence that I want to suggest today tells us that this man not only lived and then died, but he died and then lived, is that there was an empty tomb. We've heard it read to us this morning. In the three years of Jesus' ministry, before he went to the cross, this man created such a stir. He loved people, the way he healed people, the way that he helped people, the way that he gave people their dignity back. The way that he was willing to sit with the last, the least and the lost. People that the rest of us often scorn. Jesus lived a remarkable life. But the things that he did weren't the things which sent him to the cross. Generally, you don't crucify a man for doing good works. The thing which sent Jesus to the cross was actually the things that he said. You see, this man, Jesus, claimed to be God. He claimed to be the only way to heaven. He claimed to be able to forgive people of their sin. And as a result of the things that he said, the religious leaders of the day looked at him and said, we want him off the scene. But not only do we want him off the scene, we want to make sure that no one can ever get to him again. You see, what happened was after Jesus died, paranoia began to creep into these religious leaders. They thought that some of Jesus' followers were going to turn up and steal the body and create this kind of conspiracy theory that all of a sudden he was alive again. So what did they do? They made sure that no one could ever enter that tomb. 
They placed a seal over it, which means it could not be tampered with. And they had Roman guards stand outside that tomb to make sure that no one could come and attempt to interfere with the body. And then we read this account in Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and they became like dead men. After the crucifixion, Jesus' body was laid to rest. Security around that tomb was so tight that no one could have stolen his body, no fraud could have been committed, and yet, on the third day, the tomb was empty. You cannot explain the empty tomb in any other way apart from that it was orchestrated by God. The second piece of evidence that I want us to consider this morning that suggests to us that Jesus didn't just live and then die, but he died and then lived, is the fact that people saw the resurrected Jesus with their own eyes. Now, I have had people close die to me. And what I've found interesting in those times is that when someone close dies to you, actually your mind can begin to play tricks on you. I'd be walking down the road and I would see someone and I'd think to myself, is that her? Or I would be walking around and I'd smell a a certain perfume and think to myself, I know that smell. But with Jesus, it was not a case of mistaken identity. In fact, scripture tells us that on 10 separate occasions, this man, Jesus, appeared to people. On one of those occasions, he appeared to over 500 people at the same time. One of his disciples, though, who went by the name of Thomas, was a little bit sceptical. And he made this statement. He said, unless I can touch the wounds of Jesus for myself, I will not believe. And even in his graciousness, Jesus appeared to Thomas and said, touch my side, touch my hands, see that I really am who I say I am. People saw Jesus. People touched Jesus. People even ate with the risen Jesus. That's how we know that Jesus didn't just live and then die, but he died and then lived. The third piece of evidence that I want to suggest to you this morning, which tells us that Jesus is alive, is the way that he changed people's lives as a result of his resurrection. You see, before Jesus went to the cross, one of his closest friends, a man named Peter, he was a zealous, zealous man, turned round and he said, Jesus, if everyone else denies you, if everyone else turns their back on you, I'll never do that to you, Jesus. In fact, I'll die with you, Jesus. And then, one night, stood by a charcoal fire while Jesus was being accused falsely accused this man Peter called down curses upon himself to say that I'd never even met the man Jesus was crucified Jesus was resurrected and after Jesus had died Peter went back to what he always knew 
He was a fisherman by trade, so that's what he did. And he went fishing, and he caught absolutely nothing one night. And whilst he was fishing, coming home from a really, really poor night, he heard someone cry out from the shore. Throw your nets onto the other side, the voice said. And that's what we read in John 21 when we read these words. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing their net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning with coals with fish on it and some bread. That day, the man who had denied Jesus, the man who had called down curses upon himself, ran to Jesus and he was totally changed. So much so that just a few short weeks later, the one who denied Jesus stood up in front of a crowd of thousands of people and he proclaimed to them these words. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from the, this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. Tradition has it that this man who denied Jesus because he was scared ultimately died for Jesus. But he didn't count it worthy to die in the same manner as Jesus, being crucified like Jesus. So he asked and he requested to be crucified upside down. In fact, 11 of the 12 apostles were martyred because of their faith and their trust in Jesus. You don't die for something like this unless you are absolutely convinced that it is true. The evidence that Jesus didn't just live and then die, but died and then lived is truly compelling. But what does it mean for you? And what does it mean for me today? And why are those three little words, he has risen, the most important words that you will ever hear? Well, firstly, today, it means that you and I can have complete confidence. You see, the fact that Jesus died the most excruciating of deaths on a cross, and then he rose from the dead victorious, tells us today that if we put our trust in him, if we totally and utterly trust him with our lives, we can be totally and utterly sure that he will do the same for us. You see, the reason that he had to die the reason he went through those events of that Friday was to pay the price for all the wrong things that we think, say and do, which the Bible calls sin. And let's face it, 
If we were to look at our lives, each and every one of us has things that we are ashamed of. There are things which, if we're honest, maybe no one else actually knows about us. There are deep, deep regrets which go really deep into our souls. Maybe that make us feel there's no hope for me. God will never forgive someone like me. But the fact that Jesus died and then he lived means that the debt in your life and my life when we put our trust in him has been paid. We have been declared innocent in the sight of a holy God because Jesus took the punishment upon himself that we deserve and has declared us free. So today... If you put your trust in this Jesus, the depths of your depravity, the things that you are most ashamed of in your life, your biggest regrets are labelled paid in full. You can know freedom today because of him. The second reason that these three little words, he has risen, are the most important words that you can ever hear and will change your life if you allow them is because they give us hope. You see, before Jesus went to the cross, his disciples were really, really worried about what was to come. And Jesus spoke lovingly and tenderly to them. And he said these words, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I'll take you with me, that you may be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to them, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I and the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Jesus' death and his resurrection means that he has prepared a place for you. In a world of uncertainty, in a world where we seem to lurch from one world crisis to the next, in a world where it seems like we have got more reason to fear than we ever have before. When we put our trust in the Lord Jesus, we can confidently know that this world is not the end for us, that there will be a day where Jesus comes again and he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, that there will be no more hurt, no more heartache, no more pain and no more death. And finally... The fact that Jesus died and then he lived means that death is not the end for you and for me. We read these words in 1 Corinthians. When we've been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that it is written will come to pass. Death has swallowed, been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ.
The fact that Jesus died and then he rose again means that you can have complete confidence that your sin is forgiven. You can have hope that whatever this world throws at you, it's not the end. And you can be totally sure that because Jesus rose from the dead, you will rise too and have eternal life. I want to finish this morning by telling you a story. It's a story that I may have told before. So if you have heard me tell it before, then just humor me for a couple of minutes. A frail black woman rises slowly to her feet. She is something over 70 years of age. Facing across the room are several white security police officers, one of whom, Mr. Van der Broek, has been tried and found implicated in the murder of both the woman's son and her husband some years before. He had come to the woman's house, he'd taken her son, shot him at point-blank range, and then set the young man's body on fire while he and his other officers partied nearby. Several years later, Van der Brock, he returned with his cohorts and took away her husband as well. For many, many months, she heard nothing of his whereabouts. Then, almost two years after her husband's disappearance, Van der Brock came back to fetch the woman herself. How vividly she remembers that evening, going to a place beside the river where she was shown her husband, bound and beaten but still strong in spirit, lying on a pile of wood. The last words she heard from his lips as the officers, officers poured petrol over his body and set him aflame were, Father, forgive them. Now, this woman stands in the courtroom and she listens to the confessions of Mr. Van der Brock. A member of the South Africa's Truth and Reconciliation Commission turns to her and asks, so what do you want? How should justice be done to this man who so brutally destroyed your family? I want three things, begins the woman, calmly but confidently. I want first to be taken to the place where my husband's body was burned so that I can gather up the dust and give his remains a decent burial. She pauses and then continues... My husband and my son were my only family. I want secondly, therefore, Mr. Van der Brock to become my son. I would like him to visit me twice a month in the ghetto and spend a day with me so I can pour out what little love I have remaining in me. And finally, she says, I want a third thing. This is also the wish of my husband. And so I would kindly ask someone to come by my side and lead me across the courtroom so I can take Mr. Van der Brock in my arms and embrace him and let him know that he is truly forgiven. As the courtroom assistants come to lead this elderly woman across the room, Mr. Van der Brock is overwhelmed by what he hears and he faints. As he does, the courtroom, the friends, the family, the neighbours, all the victims of decades of oppression and injustice begin to sing softly but assuringly, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's the gospel. We don't deserve grace. We deserve death. 
We deserve to be apart from a holy God for all eternity because of the things that we have done. But Jesus paid the price. And as a result, you and I today can be called children of God. Why are those words, those three little words, he has risen, the most important words that you will ever hear in your life? Because if you allow the life-changing truth which is contained within them to penetrate your soul, it will change your life forever. How do I know? Because it changed me. At the age of 14, not coming from a Christian family, in fact, coming from a family who would confidently declare themselves as atheists, Jesus Christ met with me. And as a result, my life was changed. I can't stand here today and tell you that life has been easy every step of the way since I accepted Jesus into my life. No, at times life has been cruel and life has been hard. But Jesus Christ has been my rock through it all. And today at the age of 37 years old, I can tell you it's the best decision that I ever made. So what will you do today with this Jesus? who didn't just live and then die, but he died and then he lived. Where are you at right now, I wonder, in your own spiritual walk? Maybe, if you're being totally honest, these last couple of years of isolation, of separation, of heartache, of disappointment, of maybe even extreme pain, has left you wondering, where is God in the midst of all of this? Today, I believe that God wants to bring hope to your heart again. As you look to him, the risen Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Maybe you're here or you're watching online and actually, you've never even heard the gospel before. This is the first time you've heard about these things. Maybe you've been skeptical about this. The Bible tells us to seek the Lord while he is there to be found, to draw on him while he is near. And it says today is the day of salvation. So if today you are here in this room or watching online, I want to say to you, don't leave it any longer. The reality is, what have you got to lose? By asking Jesus Christ into your life and seeing what he can do for you. Let's pray together. Father God, I want to thank you and praise you today for the life-changing truth which is contained within those words, he has risen. I want to thank you, Lord God, for the way that I can change our course in this life so much that it gives us a fresh hope, a fresh start, a meaning and a purpose. And today I want to pray a blessing over anyone here today whose faith has been rumbled in this time, where it feels like it's been shaken over the past few months and years. Lord, today, may we once again, as individuals and as a congregation, choose to stand on the rock that is Christ Jesus. And today, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you for themselves, Lord, may you set them on that journey of choosing to accept you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.